the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit who is fully God, this is the Holy Spirit we're talking about. Not just some weird force out there, but God himself, very God himself. Thank you for joining us for this week's broadcast of A Word from the Lord. Today, Dr. Beach brings us his message entitled, Come Holy Spirit. But before we get started, here is our special feature, a recap from the spiritual discipline of giving. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me, says the Lord. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. This verse, we've heard a lot. And I'm not saying it again to throw guilt on you, but it's a very important spiritual principle. He says, bring the whole tithe, that's the 10%, into his storehouse. That's the local congregation, the local body of believers. In that day, it would have been the, the local synagogue, the local group that were worshiping God. You see, you cannot outgive God, and you cannot outmaneuver God. I remember right after 2008, sitting with a man, and he had lost most of his retirement in the market collapse of 2008, more than many of us would make in a lifetime. He confessed that he had never even tithed on his increase, just his salary, but even then very rarely. I was reminded of Proverbs 23.5, which says, Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. A couple came up to me after church this past Sunday, having some questions about the church. And in the process of our conversation, they shared they had taken Financial Peace University and begun to get their financial house in order, and they began to start tithing. And in the midst of this, one of them lost their job. But you know what? They were confident. They were excited. It had been months. But they said, God is meeting our needs. Can't explain it, but it's happening. With the tithe, I'm only giving back to God what's already His. Exactly, of thy own, I have given thee. So, first, where your treasure is speaks loudly. Secondly, God gives us all we have. He simply asks us to return to Him His tithe. Third, we should give from our first fruits, not our last fruits. We should give from our first fruits, not our last fruits. This is the principle of first fruits. The first part of my increase is holy and sacred to the Lord. That's what Leviticus tells us. It reminds us that He is the owner and He is God and that I trust Him with my finances. A good verse which summarizes all the Bible's teaching on this is Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. You see, it's easy to wait and give God the leftovers. Problem is, there usually isn't any leftovers. 
And the leftovers are not what he calls holy and sacred. It's that first part that he calls holy and sacred. And it's not just about money. It's about enjoying his presence in the spiritual life and having relationships and being blessed in your family and all these other blessings that he says he'll pour out from the windows of heaven. Materialism has got its grip on most, on most of us more than we really know. Just look in our closets, look in our basements, look in our garages, look in our checkbooks. It causes us to bow down to mammon rather than God. It causes us to leave the God we love and it takes us straight into bondage and slavery to all those things in our life. Developing the discipline of giving breaks this hold on us. And we start this discipline of giving in a spirit of obedience to God's Word. Remembering that where our treasure is speaks loudly. Remembering that He's blessed us with all we have. He just wants the first part given back. That was Foley Beach with a special feature, The Spiritual Discipline of Giving. Here now, Dr. Beach brings us today's message, Come Holy Spirit. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Now, during this service, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to do a number of things among us. Actually, I started counting Holy Spirit in the bulletin, and I I got lost after 20, so... At least 20 times, but, but really a lot more than that. We are either praying to the Holy Spirit, we're asking the Holy Spirit to do so, or we're singing to the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit's presence tonight, we won't be able to accomplish very much. Now, I want to spend a few moments tonight and talk about the Holy Spirit. Because we have this, this strange perspective of what and who the Holy Spirit is. It's almost like the force be with you, that kind of thing. It's this weird thing out there. But actually, the scriptures are really clear about who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit is to do. First thing, who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God. He's divine. He's God. In Genesis 1-2, we see that he was before creation. The Spirit of God was hovering over the deep, Genesis 1-2. In Psalm 139, we see that he's everywhere. He's omnipresent. The psalmist writes, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10, we're told he's omniscient. That is, he's all-knowing. The apostle Paul writes this, The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except a man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We're also told that the Spirit is eternal. In Hebrews 9.14, it speaks of the eternal Spirit. That means the Spirit always was and always will be. In Luke 1.35, we're, we're told how the Spirit is all-powerful. He's omnipotent. Remember the story, the angel appeared to Mary? And the angel said to Mary, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High God will overshadow you. The Holy Spirit is God. 
We could go through numerous other passages looking at the divine characteristics of the Lord. In Matthew 28, 19, Jesus equated himself with the Holy Spirit and with the Father. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, making them all the same, equal. Not the same, but equal. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, the Apostle Paul even calls him the Lord. Listen to this. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So with all that said, the early church not only called the Spirit God, but they called him a person of the Godhead, part of the Holy Trinity, one God. One God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's God, the third person of the Trinity. But the New Testament gives us all kind of different aspects of who this Holy Spirit is. For example, we're told the Holy Spirit's also the paracleti. That's a Greek word, which means one who's called alongside to help. In John 14, 16, Jesus said this, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. That's the paracleti. He's translating it here, counselor. Some translations use the word comforter. Some use the word helper. But he says another counselor. And the word here in the Greek language means another one just like yourself. In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm sending you one just like me who's going to come be with you. The paracleti. We're also told in the New Testament that the Holy Spirit is a gift. A gift from the Father and a gift from the Son. Remember on the day of Pentecost when Peter preached that great sermon and the people were convicted and they said, what must we do? And in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, Peter says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You remember that happened just after the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit descended upon everybody. It's a gift. John 14, 26, Jesus said, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. In John 15, 26, Jesus said this, When the Counselor comes, again, that's that word paraclete or helper or comforter. When the Counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And then in John 16, 6 and 7, Jesus said to his disciples, It's good that I go away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit who is fully God, who is the paraclete, the counselor, the helper, the comforter, this one who comes to the believer. He comes from the Father and he comes from Jesus. This is the Holy Spirit we're talking about. Not just some weird force out there, but God himself, very God himself. Now, the New Testament gives us a lot of variety on the ministries of the Holy Spirit. 
For example, in John chapter 3, we're told that the Holy Spirit is key in conversion. You remember when Nicodemus came to visit Jesus? He came by night and they began to talk. Listen to what Jesus said to him. This is John chapter 3, verse 5. I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is key in the conversion process. And of course, we call that being born again. In John chapter 14, verse 16, we've already seen where Jesus said, I will ask the Father and he'll give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. But he goes on to say this, the world can't accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him because he lives with you and will be in you. So this counselor that Jesus is talking about, this Holy Spirit, is not only a spirit of truth, remember he's not going to lie, he's a spirit of truth, but he will take up residence not just with us, but he will be in us. In John chapter 16, we find another aspect of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. By the way, I'm getting to a point in all of this. (laughs) John 16, verse 7. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, it is to your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can even bear now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. This Holy Spirit, when he comes, part of his role is to convict us of our sin. To convict us of what we do wrong to help us understand what is righteousness before God and what God views as judgment. He says he will guide us into all truth, that he'll speak what he hears. In other words, he will speak to you and me. He will tell you what is to come, and he will bring glory to Jesus. One thing about the Holy Spirit, he's always pointing to Jesus. He doesn't point to himself or to a person other than Jesus. And he says he will take of Jesus from what is Jesus's and give to us. In Acts chapter 1-8, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This word power in the Greek language is the same word we get the word dynamite. It means power. 
and that he anoints us and he gives us this power to be his witnesses, to be his martyrs, to be his spokespeople in the world in which we live. We could go on and on through the rest of the New Testament talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, but here's the bottom line. It's impossible to be a Christian and to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. It's impossible to be a Christian and to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. You can't do it. It won't work. You can be religious. You can go through all kinds of routines. But you can't be a Christian without the Holy Spirit. And you can't live the holy life without the Holy Spirit. And one way God desires to do this is, is manifest his fruit, that fruit of the Spirit, through our life and in our life. The fruit of the Spirit ought to be what characterizes a Christian. When people point to you, what, what do they say about your life? Is it the fruit of the Spirit? Many of you know this, Galatians 5.22. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's what he's attempting to produce in our life and through our life. That my life would be full of his love, full of his joy, full of his peace, full of his patience, all the way through to self-control. Rather, too many of our lives are more characterized by the sinful nature, what's called the fruit of the flesh, which is the passage right before that. I'd like to read this to you. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, Jealousy, fits of lies, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, fractions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. This should not be. God has given us his Holy Spirit and the power to live holy, godly lives. Lives pleasing to him. Lives that make a sweet aroma. Full of his fruit. Full of his love, his joy, his peace, his patience, his goodness, his kindness, his faithfulness, his gentleness, his self-control. The Holy Spirit seeks to work through you and through me in such a way that when people point to us, they see that fruit. And so the question I have for all of us tonight is this. What do people see when they look at our lives? How would they characterize us? She is such a loving person. His life is so full of joy. Doesn't he have self-control? Or do they characterize it by other things? In Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul said in verse 18, Do not get drunk with wine, for that leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled continually with the Holy Spirit. Be filled continually with the Holy Spirit. I want to challenge you in the name of Jesus to live 
in the power of the Holy Spirit. God has given you and me this incredible gift. Live in it. Let this not be just some religious ritual for you, but rather a recommitment to Jesus and a surrendering to him of your life and your will and your heart. Being willing to allow the Holy Spirit's leadership in your life. Learn how to live and walk in the Holy Spirit. Serve Jesus, not in your own strength, because you can't do it. Serve Jesus in the power of the Spirit. Learn how to lean on him. Learn how to surrender to him in your ministry. Receive the charisms and the gifts that he's going to bring to your life when you're ordained. Utilize them to perform your ministry. You will be different after tonight. There's, there's a change that takes place. He's setting you apart to serve him and to serve his people. But you can't do it in the flesh. You can't do it in your own strength. You can only do it in the Holy Spirit. Perhaps there's someone here who has never surrendered your life to Jesus. God has a life of joy and peace and love for you in the Holy Spirit. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, his son, he's made a way through faith for everyone to have a relationship with him. He invites you to come to him and receive new life in his name. Hear again the words of the gospel that we heard tonight. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, I am the gate. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life and life to the full. And part of that having life to the full is having the presence of the Holy Spirit, not just some thing out there, but literally indwell you. Live in your body the presence of the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, we invite you now to come and have your way among us. Wherever we might be and whatever we might be here tonight, we invite you to come and have your way. In the name of Jesus and for his glory we pray. That was Dr. Beach with today's message. For more information on this message and this ministry, please visit awordfromthelord.org. There you will find today's sermon and previously aired messages where you can listen to them again and share them with friends and family. A Word from the Lord also has audio archives of Foley Beach's one-minute radio feature and much more. So visit awordfromthelord.org for audio, articles, and information about the ministry. You can also find us on Facebook, and be sure to click the like button to follow our feed. Also, you can visit Foley's blog at bishopfoleybeach.blogspot.com. On the blog, you can read the many articles posted by Dr. Beach. Many of these blog entries are excerpts and full articles published in local publications. Again, his blog address is bishopfoleybeach.blogspot.com. And for those of you who love Twitter and to tweet... 
You can follow Foley on Twitter. His Twitter address is twitter.com at Foley Beach. That's twitter.com at Foley Beach. If you have any comments or questions about the program, you can contact Dr. Beach by email at foleybeach at a word from the Lord. Again, his email address is foleybeach at a word from the Lord.org. For those of you who don't use Facebook, Twitter, or email, you can still contact him by mail. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia, 30655. Again, our mailing address is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia, 30655. Whether you send us an email or write to us, we'd love to hear from you. A Word from the Lord is made possible by God's grace through the continued prayers and loving financial support from you. And we thank you for the opportunity to spread the hope of the gospel of Christ through this ministry. Join us here again for the next broadcast. For Dr. Beach and everyone here at A Word from the Lord, it is our prayer that you would be seeking a word from the Lord.